0: Hello, amazing humans. Welcome back or welcome to the Find Your Awesome podcast. I am your host, Kelsey Abbott. I'm a confidence coach and instigator of joy, and I help spiritual adventurers remember who they are and why they're here so they can up-level with ease. I'm going to be honest with you. This is not my first time trying to record this episode. It is not my third time or fifth time either. You see, I tried to sit down to record this intro when my body wanted to move, and I planted my butt in the chair and tried to make myself do it, and that just doesn't work for me. It doesn't work at all. So since my first, second, third, fourth, fifth, however many attempts, I have gotten all squirmy and moved around and done some PT exercises and tried to, you know, I let my body lead the way. And now here I am ready to tell you all about this week's conversation with Robin Eckersley. And I guess my takeaway in telling you that my body needed to move is our bodies are wicked smart. You know, sometimes our souls talk to us through our bodies. Maybe it's as simple as you need to move or you need to be still, and maybe it's something way more complicated. And with that, let's get into this week's conversation. Robin Eckersley is a certified professional coach and energy leadership index master practitioner, and she supports women in their desire for greater fulfillment, impact, and success across their lives. Her clients' successes have taken the forms of founding nonprofits and community organizations, successful book publications and speaking careers, creation and implementation of organizational wide employee wellness programs, and greater alignment, confidence, and passion across their lives as a whole. Enjoy this conversation. Please share the Find Your Awesome podcast with everyone you know, and please leave a rating and a review, a five-star rating, please. Most importantly, though, go forth and be awesome. All right. Keep going. It's, so, it's-
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, anything, really anything we do, right, is going to be motivated by uh, us running away from pain or lessening pain or running towards pleasure. But at the end of the day, both of those are about us, right? And yet, <laughs> as women, especially as women business owners, we're making it all about us and but trying to run away from the pain of sales or oh i'm got people are going to think of me as this way, or no one's going to buy because it's too expensive, um, but they want the pleasure of reaching people, changing lives, selling, making money, making a living off of it, but that kind of like limbo yeah of, I can't get to the pleasure because I'm so stuck in the pain, but I kind of want to write, want to run away from the pain. It's just this ridiculous conversation we have internally that keeps us undervaluing ourselves and ultimately not creating the impact that we want to be making or that we even believe we can make. Mm-hmm. It's, just, it's, it's doing ourselves a disservice and all of our clients and community a disservice or people that we're not reaching.
0: Yeah, you know, it's interesting as you're as you're describing that dance that we do from like hiding from the pain, seeking the pleasure back and forth. It's just, it's like, we're putting us, we're all putting ourselves back in seventh grade. (laughs) Not a fun time for most girls. Like that was a rough time of like trying to be one of the cool kids, not, and then trying to be yourself and then trying to be cool and Mm -hmm. not getting it. And Yeah. That was such an (laughs) awkward time. Why would any of us want to go back there? Oh my gosh. Yeah. I I feel like I,
1: (laughs) that experience is so true because I feel like I wanted, like when I was growing up, I wanted more than anything to be included. If I were to sum it all up, I just wanted to be accepted. I wanted to be included, but I was also caught with the, like, I don't want to have to do the things that are that I think are going to be required of me to be included, like to be one of the cool kids. Mm -hmm. Like I don't want to be spending my parents' money at the mall on things that like I'm never going to wear just because the cool girls are doing that too. Like I don't want to be going to these – I want to go – I want to get invited to the parties, but I don't want to go to the parties because – like everyone ends up in the hospital with alcohol poisoning. Like it's just, or at least that was like my experience in high school. It was like, I don't want any part of this. Like, But I want to be as cool. I want to be
0: regarded as cool as all of these folks. I, I, that's <laughs> they can walk the top. I just want yeah. to be. <laughs> yeah. For me, I remember being like, I want to be, I want to be like other people. Like I want to be I wanted to be easy. I want to feel like I fit in, and then trying that for like an hour and being like, "Oh, I can't handle it." I want to be me. Yeah, and it just yeah. felt like it was so much easier for everyone else. So, like, can I just do it there? Right? And I I'm try it. No, no, I know. it doesn't work. It always looked easier, right? Yeah.
1: I had this really interesting experience a couple of years ago, um, where I reconnected with a woman i went to high school with and we weren't friends we never hung out we ended up being in la at the same time and she was like hey like i see you're here do you want to catch up sometime and at that point even if you were friends back then it's like reintroducing yourself it's like meeting a new person basically Mm -hmm. because so much has happened since then and we've grown for the most part (laughs) hopefully um and she was in my mind one of the cool girls she was in like all of the like cliques that you you need to be in. And, you know, all of those, like she had, she had that place in our little community and we got to talking and we talked about how we were in very different social groups. And I was trying to balance, like, how do I be successful academically while being like a varsity athlete while trying to go to college or college applications, all of that stuff. And she was like, no, like I hated those people. I was definitely not one of the cool kids. I'm like, if you weren't one of the cool kids, what was I, like gum on somebody's shoe? (laughs) (laughs) And it was just interesting because she, she had such inner turmoil from trying to balance those social relationships. She wanted to maintain those connections with the cool girls but she felt so out of alignment that it was very emotionally difficult for her to to maintain those friendships. And from the outside, you know, it looked like she was just having a blast and had all these friends and just loved life. And it's that and like, gosh, the longer I'm in the personal development world and the coaching business, everyone has so much more history and baggage than you would ever imagine from the outside and it's not just oh don't judge a book by its cup co- by a cover because I feel like it's that kind of dilutes the experience but man everyone's got their own hang-ups and we do a real good job the most of us uh of wrapping that up <laughs> not yeah, letting a show
0: yeah I'll show you all of this over here but don't mm-hmm. look in that corner yeah mm-hmm. we keep that
1: door closed <laughs>
0: Yes. yes it's like the. we lived in a house um when we first moved to maine we rented this house that had the previous renters had had cats mm-hmm. and they kept the litter box in that closet and that became the don't open it closet because it just reeked of cat oh, no. <laughs>
1: yeah. oh yep it's like we all have a cat pee closet <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Cause that's the thing. I mean, you know, like we were talking about earlier, everyone, we make things more complicated than they need to be. And with that comes a lot of pain and a, a lot of stress and anxiety and anguish. Um, and what what we believe is that that's not acceptable to share with other people, right? Like that's not comfortable for other people to talk about. And it just puts a damper on things. If we're socializing, like it just, it's kind of a downer, like that's in our mind. Right. And so that, <laughs> Cat pee corner just gets worse and darker and like more disgusting because we don't give it room to really breathe and like clean it out and take a look at it head on.
0: Yeah, and the longer it soaks in there, yeah, (laughs) the more powerful it (laughs) gets.
1: It's true because because then it starts to really take over, like Mm. how we show up in our work, how we show up in our relationships even how we make decisions with our money um, and our time and our energy and our other resources. Like that isn't something that we can just shut off, whether it's, it might not be consciously top of mind, but whatever is festering in that like pain and that unresolved junk,
0: it's creeping into how we move through the world. Yeah, and I love how Earlier, you were talking about your adventure retreats yeah. and how you're incorporating a part of some conservation into mm-hmm. those. Mm-hmm. Because you said, like, it's about reconnecting with the entire world.
1: hmm Yeah. Like, we, I think now more than ever, we're so um, insulated from the natural world or from other communities or from one another and it's to our own detriment like you hear especially you know in the political sphere in the social sphere you hear the term echo chamber thrown around a lot where it's like you know we can have opinions but we're only comfortable really sharing those opinions with other people who who think and believe the same thing and otherwise it has to be a confrontation it has to be this like really uncomfortable conflict right um and when we start to see ourselves as identifying only in one kind of box or category, whether it's, you know, politically or socially or just what you like to do or how you see yourself as like, I am a manager at a tech company, therefore I live this kind of life. And it's like, it's a prescribed existence. And it's also so urgent. Everything is important. And so like taking time to say, hey, let's press pause for a second. Is this what I truly want life to continue looking like? And if so, am I making that decision consciously or do I just keep going through the same routine Monday through Friday and then my weekend life and then do that for the next 40 to 50 years? Like we don't have that kind of reassessment time um, that's even talked about, let alone encouraged. And so essentially like, that's where I wanna use those adventure retreats as well as my, the rest of my coaching work to really interrupt that pattern, even if it's just temporary and say, hey, like, let's take a look at this. Do you wanna keep doing this? If you're only doing it because you don't know any other options, let's take off the blinders and let's see what else is out there. And let's make you know gentle readjustments. You don't have to throw your entire life out the window, but you know, let's figure out piece by piece what would you love more than
0: what, what you're doing now? Mm. That's such a, I love that question. What would you love more than what you're doing now? Mm-hmm. What would you love more? Because I always ask people when they, for instance, when they feel guilty, how do you want to feel? Mm-hmm. What would you love more? Mm. Yeah. I'm feeling that question. I just, I'm coaching nerd and I love a good question.
1: Yeah, <laughs> good, open-ended,
0: expansive question. Yes. What would you love more. What yeah. would you love more to put in your body? Mm-hmm. What would you love more to in your relationship? Yeah. What would you love more in where you live?
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: That was something as we traveled around the country, wondering where we were going to live next. We, I would always ask people what they loved about where they lived.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And what I learned is a lot of people didn't love where they lived. Wow! Instead, their answer was, oh, that my job is here, or my family's here." Yeah. And there was no conscious choice of, "No, oh, I want to live someplace that I love it."
1: Yeah. <laughs> I love that 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 you had that experience because I feel like it's something that we normalize,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. you, you shape your life around either family or work, maybe both. And that should be your bar, right? You shouldn't really want anything more because one, now you're being selfish and you're overreaching. (laughs) Who are you to want something more than that? And two, like it's kind of expected for you to just put up with, either where you live or the kind of work that you do because at least you're making money. At least you have a job, right? Like that. I feel like that's kind of the, the mentality and the expectation that we set for either ourselves, our kids, our friends, like, Oh yeah, everyone hates their job. Like you're supposed to hit your job. You're supposed to just be okay with where you live, right? Mediocrity is just a part of life. Get used to it. And when you start to ask that question, what would you love, more than where you live, than what you do, than the kind of relationship you have, then one, I feel like we're addressing, (laughs) we're addressing the fact that there are options. You know, I feel like people kind of like live into this lifestyle um, of mediocrity just because they feel like there's nothing else out there or other things out there are for extraordinary people or for extraordinary circumstances.
0: Yeah. or I've even actually heard people say, I don't love my job, but it's okay. I love my entire life beyond that. Yeah. Well, guess what? You, you can love it all. <laughs> yeah. You're allowed to love it all. Every yeah. single piece of it. hmm hmm
1: Yeah. And it's, it's really interesting from the profession and career um, perspective because a lot of people I think generally we get locked into this belief that like up to a certain point, like you have a lot of wiggle room in your twenties, maybe your early thirties to kind of decide what track you want to be on. But after that, it's too late to switch gears, right? No one's going to hire a 35 year old like newbie from the ground floor. Like at that point, if you don't love it, then, you know, well, you should have made different choices 10
0: years ago. (laughs) How many careers have you had so far? That's a good question. Or you don't have to count. Um, Just tell us what they were.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So before coaching, which I feel like honestly is truly like, my calling. This is like my sweet spot. And I'm completely obsessed with it in a very healthy and good way. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So before that I was working in the tech industry. Um, I worked in Silicon Valley and then I worked in the geospatial tech uh, sector on the East coast. And I was doing like GIS.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So mapping the company I worked for on the East coast was um, was a, a contractor that was a Google earth and maps partner. So we created really cool technology for visualization, um, using those platforms. And that was my first, like, like super exciting job. I had a pretty good, I had a good job before that. It was, um, it was a little bit of accounting. It was a little bit of like entire holistic, like admin housework for a, a, co-working space. Um, so I got to like experience a lot of different, um, businesses all in one space, which was cool. And I had a great team and it like was a really nice community to be a part of. And they were really, really big on growing their staff and saying, this doesn't have to, like, we don't expect you to retire from here. Like you start with answering the phones, then we'll put you in a more management position. Then we'll give you access to the accounting books and payroll, And then if you don't, if this isn't fulfilling you, like, go, go find something amazing that you love. And that's something I'll always, always be grateful for from that job. Um, Because it kind of, it was really nice. It's always nice and encouraging to have someone like be the wind beneath your wings, right? Like to be like, go, yeah, girl, go get it. You could do that.
0: Yes. That invitation. Mm -hmm. So powerful. Yeah. It's so hard to give ourselves sometimes.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We think we're only kind of cut out for a certain kind of job or a certain kind of work. And after that, one of the connections I made just in working with folks there was when I went into the tech sector. Um, And then I started like getting more hands-on experience as a project manager. Loved being in a tech environment because it was so innovative and creative, and there's something always new coming up. Um, But To be perfectly honest, it's very difficult to be, at that time, I was the only female project manager and the youngest female project manager. So being taken seriously in the very, we were a military and government contractor primarily, being taken seriously by like the good old boys club was real tricky (laughs) and had a lot of garbage to come along with it. Um, But I did meet my husband there, so that was good. (laughs) And, um, that was really special because he was, he was someone who, um, or is someone who shares an adventurous, like, let's go see what's out there kind of mentality about pretty much everything. And that's when we decided that the East, we're done with the East coast. Um, let's see what's out in California. Um, he also introduced me to things like hiking and camping and exploring outdoors. Cause at that point I was like. Very much a city girl, like, no, give me my air conditioning. Like, I lock my doors at night. Like, don't talk to me if you don't know me. (laughs) Uh, So that changed a lot of things too. Um, But then I was doing more project management with developer events um, in San Francisco. And I got to do a ton of traveling around the world, run events kind of all over the place. um, And uh, just get really really into the Silicon Valley lifestyle, which while it had the excitement of tech and innovation and creativity, man, it is a stressful place to be. And if you don't care about the product or if you're not behind the mission, like it is, mm, it is tough to continue to put in the hours week after week. Um, and then it, I, I guess it started to show because it <laughs> they ended up firing me. And that was the last job I ever had. And I was like, I've, I can't keep doing this. I can't just keep throwing my resume out there, telling the world I'm a project manager when actually I hate it now. This is, I can't do this for the rest of my life. This is ridiculous. But that was super scary, right? Cause at that point I was in the mentality of this is who I am. This is supposed to be my career, but if I hate it, what? there's nothing else out there. I'm not qualified for anything else. I don't have special training. Um, and so my husband and I had these conversations of like, well, what do you want to do instead? And I was like, I want to help people. I want to help women who before all that, I was in a highly abusive relationship for five years of my twenties. And I want to help women find that thing that I found to help them say no to the junk in their life and be, be courageous enough to at least try and look, for what else there could be out there for them, whether it's professionally, relationships, whatever. Um, Because I I know so many women who have just kind of settled for mediocrity and they just go their entire life accepting it. And I'm like, no, this means too much to me. Um, So (laughs) the universe introduced to me my first coach and at that point outside of athletics and sports, I didn't know what a coach was. And I got to talking to her, talking to her. She was like, it kind of sounds like like you want to do what I do. Sounds like you want to be a coach and I'm like, I don't get it. Like, What are we doing? We're just talking. I don't. What is coaching? (laughs) So uh, she encouraged me to go check out some some programs and some schools. Um, And then I found the school that we both went to, IPEC and loved it. Like my first weekend, I was like, "Mm, less. Yep. This is exactly where I'm supposed to be. And um, I've just been evolving and developing that that channel of being able to create value in the world um, ever since. And I have no intention of stopping anytime soon. And um, like we were talking earlier, it's it's evolving into other things as well. So if anything, I'm just adding more to it while still nurturing the coaching
0: practice. What did you learn from your time in tech that helps you as a coach?
1: Um, what I learned from my time in tech is, um, the skill of prioritization. It might be more of an art than a skill. Um, the, the idea of really asking your question, like what is going to make the most difference right now? Because in a fast paced, urgent environment, everything is a priority, right? Everyone's going to tell you that their needs are, are urgent and important. You're going to drop everything for them um the that's really easy for us to get into this reactive just just do it all i'll just get it done and head down crank it out i'll work for the next 18 hours it's fine get it all knocked out um which is why burnout rates are so high in the tech sector um but really understanding okay like like what's actually going to make the biggest difference right now to um to the standards to which i'm held like, I'm here to perform a certain function. What's the most important thing that's going to move the needle? You know, can this email really wait another half hour? Do I have to do it now? <laughs> um, and there's a lot of, like, working with your own fear and self-judgment with that, saying, you know, are people, am I going to get fired for this? Or are people going to have to wait a little bit longer? What are the actual repercussions versus the perceived Um, you know, worst case scenario that our inner critic is going to be like berating us with. So probably just really getting comfortable with prioritization being an art and not like a definite, if someone more superior than you says this, then I have to do this. Um, So it's a lot of kind of like learning that I had agency in my day to day as well that I'm not just at the mercy of my supervisor.
0: I find it so interesting to look at those of us who, well, let's just talk about IPEC coaches right now, because those of us who had that experience in that first weekend, I had it too, of like, I am exactly where I'm supposed to be. Mm -hmm. And to be able to look back and be like, everything actually was leading me to this point. I couldn't see it at all at the time. Yeah. But every step, it all makes sense. Mm -hmm. I got to be a marine biologist and that's where I totally dove into I'm a super curious person. So you got to use my curiosity as a biologist and then it's the same exact thing that I use as a coach. Just people answer now. So I get the answers (laughs) a whole lot faster than running an experiment. Yeah. (laughs) They were, they were really slow to respond. (laughs) They kept trying to show me. I'd have to figure it out myself.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean that, and that's the key, right? It's about, when we talk about like how we're spending our time, how are we contributing value to the world and to society? It's not about your job title. It's about the skills and the natural things that you love to do. Like you love being curious and you, you, love learning. And that's very apparent. And the thing is, those skills and things that you're good at and things that you like to do, they're completely transferable across so many industries. The choice is really like, okay, these are, this is what I have to offer the world. Which, which channel do I want to do it through? Yes. That's where we're at. Not like like I was born to be a project manager. I was born to be like, no, you weren't like you were just born a human being and, and the world has issues. You can choose to use your gifts and talents to address those issues, or you can just choose to do whatever makes you happy or, or whatever kind of like keeps you alive. Like at our basic, we're, we're here. We're born, I believe to thrive and have a, beautiful, happy existence in whatever way we can do that and to create that joy for other people too and help them create joy for themselves and others. And then who knows what happens after that? We don't know for sure, right? There's different belief systems of what happens after we pass on, but in my, what I believe is that we come back and we do it all over again, just in a different form and a different time with different skills and resources.
0: <laughs> yeah. I'm with you on that. I believe that we are here to be sparkly as fuck. And yes. <laughs> that then, the, and our soul made all these choices of how the gifts that we have that we bring with us. Yeah. Our soul didn't say, like, oh, you're a lawyer, you're an investment <laughs> manager, you, you're an event planner. Uh uh-uh. uh. Right. Our soul said, oh, you have the gift of intuition. Mm-hmm. You are really good at leading groups, you are really good at explaining things. hmm. And we get to take those gifts and be like, oh, I can use that over here and over here and over here.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like, what do I want to, what do I love explaining to people? Yeah. Do I love explaining things to small children so they can learn and start to grow and develop their own ideas? Do I like explaining like the natural behavior of dolphins to other people? (laughs) Um, Yeah. It's really cool how when we, when we take the kind of like, Step away and see the big picture perspective. Then we start to like really, release the pressure that's on ourselves and say, "Oh, this is the only job I can get because I have this training. And to lock ourselves into an identity that's defined by your <laughs> by your job experience and whatever degree you have or don't have, like like we're doing ourselves a massive disservice because we have so much more to offer and to do and to contribute but to only pay attention to things like what are your qualifications on paper we're we're not seeing the forest for the trees at that point
0: and our ego is funny it gets really attached to titles it gets mm-hmm. really attached to oh i went to school for this mm-hmm. i feel like i owe it to somebody to be doing this thing i remember actually during coach training i was i went for a run in the morning and i came back and somebody at the hotel asked me if i was a professional athlete and i said no i'm a science writer okay now let's talk the truth i had been a science writer and i still was but the majority of my income at the time was through triathlon coaching <laughs> I was, I had like one, I had had like five science writing contracts. I was down to one and I was getting trained as a certified professional coach. <laughs> Why did I say I'm a science writer? Because I felt like, oh, I have my master's in marine biology. I still owe something to that. I have to, I have to have attachment. I have to do what I went to school for. I have to, that's legit. Hmm.
1: Yeah. And I have to, like, how long do we have to hold on to that label before, you know, while you're in transition of becoming a coach, when do you release that other label and fully own, no, I'm a coach and I am an athlete? Yeah. You know, we, I think also we, I was just talking about this with one of my clients, we tend to find necessity in the either or existence instead of the both and existence. And when we can start to say, I can be both things. I can be a writer, a biologist, a coach, an athlete. I, I can, I am all of those things. I mean, who are you to tell me? I'm not like by what standard are you measuring me and my identity? Yeah. Um, when we can like say, Oh, I can love my job and I can love where I live. And I could be with my family, then we start to, it's like setting our brain into a creative space instead of a, well, you gotta pick and choose. You can't have it all.
0: Yeah, I'm currently obsessed with human design. Mm -hmm. And I'm a manifesting generator. And our type is, we're supposed to be the hyphenated people. Like, that's only one piece of it. But, like, that's me, a coach, an athlete a podcaster like there are all the pieces and I need all those pieces with when even when my training when I go into off-season mode and training gets kind of boring I struggle with inspiration with creative flow Mm. I have to ask my coach like can I have some intervals in there please (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah and that's the thing
1: like I love how you said I need all of those things like it's to not allow ourselves to express those things that we really are. Like for you to stop being an athlete, that just wouldn't be you anymore. That would be a really suppressed version of you. Yeah. And I think, you know, we we are still getting used to the idea, I think societally, as being a hyphenated individual is actually maybe naturally who we are. Mm-hmm. You know, not just, one thing. I am only one thing. At home, I am a parent and a spouse and, you know, whatever home role you play. And at work, I am a supervisor. I am an investor. I am this. Like, no, you are all those things. It doesn't matter where you are or what time of day it is or what day of the week it is. You are all of those things and so much more that either you have yet to explore or that you just haven't acknowledged or lived into.
0: I love to challenge people to describe themselves without using any titles. Mm -hmm. You can't use your job title. You can't use your relationship title. Mm -hmm. That includes any relationship title and just use adjectives to describe yourself. Yeah. That's our true essence. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love that. How would you describe yourself without any titles?
1: Well, any titles, Um, creative, for sure, Um, supportive, compassionate, Um, (laughs) adventurous, sometimes relentlessly optimistic, (laughs) which probably gets annoying sometimes. (laughs) Um, And it might it might sound odd, but discontent. Like I'm rarely content because I'm always looking towards the next thing. Like What else? What else? What else?
0: It's an interesting word choice, discontent for that. Yeah, because I think I know what you're talking about. And I think I share the same experience, but I think of it more as super excited about everything and curious, super excited and curious (laughs) about what's next.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like, it's almost like describing the same state of existence and the same experience, just from different perspectives. Cause I think for me, how I define content it to me, for some reason it holds a sense of finality to it. Mm. Like this thing that I am content with, like this is, this is the ceiling this is the end point to whatever this thing is. This is the state that it will always be in. And it's like that excitement about everything, you know, that like being really pumped about lots of different things all the time is an element of it's it's like, and I'm also like not content. Right. So yeah. it's like, it's like, in this multifaceted experience.
0: <laughs> I love the power of words. So satisfied is the same for me. It feels like it's got a finality to it. Yeah. Someone says, Are you satisfied? I'd be like, oh, not done. Not yeah. done
1: yet. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. This is it's super cool. Cause like Language at the end of the day is a symbol, right? It is a symbol for an experience or a feeling or a thought or a thing. And it slightly, we do the best that we can with words, right, to describe something. And it's interesting because for me, content has that like sense of finality and ending, but that satisfied is more open-ended, which is funny how it's like kind of different for between the two of us. <laughs>
0: yeah, because I feel the same way about content.
1: Ah, how funny. <laughs> Like I'm satisfied with the growth I've had. I'm satisfied with what I've done so far. Am I content with it? Nope. And and to some people it might mean, they might be synonyms. They might mean exactly the same thing.
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. And this is why it's important to ask what words mean to people. Yeah. When somebody says, like if you said I'm content, I would have been like, okay, what does that mean? Like you defined what discontent means to you, but yeah. otherwise I would have been like, what does that mean?
1: hmm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gosh, it's like everything that we, I mean, one of two things. One, maybe this is an example of how humans make things more complicated than they need to be, but part of me doesn't believe that because I think there is importance in the nuance of language, right? We choose when we choose words intentionally it reflects a certain uh like multidimensionalness multi-dimensionality of um of our experience because it's never just black and white right how we're moving through the world is has so much detail and nuance to it that it it's it almost behooves us to like to do the best we can to describe it as accurately or as Precisely as possible.
0: Yeah. I the other day I said to a friend, I want to get my run back, and she called me on that, and she was like, "Not back. You want to start. You want to run faster. Period." (laughs) And it's (laughs) true. I don't want to. It's not something I lost. It's something I I'm working on. Yeah. Right now, it's just something I'm working on. Period. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> it was in progress. It's in motion. Yeah. yeah. And
0: that, the language does matter because it's not now when I go out training, I'm not looking for something that I lost. Yeah. Like, I don't feel like I have um, like entitlement to mm. my former peace. Mm. I simply am present with where I am right now and growing forward. Mm hmm.
1: Yeah, I hear that coming up um, with some of my clients who are in a space of redefining their identity and they're saying things like you know i don't even know who i am anymore and you know before quote life happens i used to be this i used to be this and i want to get back to being her i'm like you don't want to be her again there are qualities about that time in your life that your life now would be enhanced by, right? Cause that quest to be a former version of ourselves will never be that person again. Right. right. Cause that person has not had the life that we have had. Yep. And it's important to, you know, if we're tra- if we're setting goals around something that is unattainable, you cannot be someone who you used to be. She is in the past. That chapter is closed. That's, that's a recipe for when we're striving for something we cannot attain, that's a recipe for disappointment and frustration and discouragement um, right off the bat before you've even made any strides, right? And so you're right, the importance of language is, is everywhere, uh, whether it's how we, how what our self-talk is like or what we're striving for, like let's be clear and let's let's call it as it is so that we can now mentally and emotionally and soulfully align towards that thing. Because otherwise we're kind of all over the place and we're just we're not making progress that we know we can be making. It's really, really important.
0: Yeah, exactly. I want to switch, I want to pivot for a second.
1: Let's do
0: it. One of my favorite questions for you. I want to know, Robin, what's the scariest thing you've ever done?
1: Oh my god. You don't uh... have to get this
0: right by the way, I don't, I don't know all the things that you're choosing between. I just want you to share a scary thing.
1: Okay. That I, that I can access, (laughs) like the scariest thing. Um, One scary thing was. um, Let's see, was, was kind of actually in line with what we're talking about. was taking the leap into starting a business because on paper, I had no qualifications to do that. I had no one to really model, um, no mentors in that space. And so it was truly figuring out for myself. And it was so scary because one, of course, there's, there's a financial dip when you launch a business and you're like, I don't know where the next paycheck's coming from. How much am I supposed to pay myself? <laughs> um, is this a waste of time? I've told everyone I'm doing this. What if I fail and I shut it down? What are people gonna think of me? It's like that fear of ostracism or fear of judgment and like being ostracized, um, which my friends wouldn't do, but it's it's that scariness that creeps in. You know, What are my parents gonna think about this? Am I letting them down? Um, and that fear, um, it comes back for sure. Like what if <laughs> I never reached the goals I have for myself and like 10 years from now, I still haven't reached them. Would all of this have been a waste of time? Like that's the extreme kind of inner critic voice. It's like, I know, like I've impacted people. I know people, my clients are, are in a better space. Um, sounds like they died. They have not died. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I know that they they got benefit from our time together. <laughs> um, but it is really scary when you realize that there's no playbook. Mm,
0: yeah.
1: You know, like when I realized that it doesn't matter how, like there's no playbook that comes with different stages of your life. Like I didn't know the proper way to be a college student. I didn't know the proper way to be someone in my early 20s. Like how, like I'm 36 now and I'm like, I, am I doing my 30s right? <laughs> like, am I doing this whole business thing right? And we're all just doing the best that we can. And the fact that no one has a right answer One is reassuring in that like, oh, okay, like I'm in good company. Nobody knows what the heck they're doing. Uh, We're all just making it up. Um, And then, but it's also like crap, like nobody knows what they're doing. Therefore, I'm never gonna know what I'm doing. (laughs) Or
0: no one can tell me then. If no one knows what they're doing, then who's gonna tell me what to do?
1: Yeah, (laughs) who who can I go to for help? When really, they're just gonna share what's worked for them. Right. And it's like, what if that doesn't work for me? So it's 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 being in a constant space of of uncertainty and being like feeling really untethered a lot of times, like from a strategy perspective, from a should I be doing more to help people? For me, there's a lot of fear that I'm not doing enough Seems to be perfectly vulnerable here um, that I'm not doing enough to help people who simply cannot afford what I offer. That means a lot to me. And I, I wrestle with that regularly. So I think because, you know, depending on what kind of mindset we're approaching this conversation with, there's a lot of folks who would argue that something like coaching, is more for people who generally have life figured out and like things are fine for them. They're not gonna die without coaching. There are people who could really benefit from coaching, but who typically can't afford what an industry rate of a coach would be. Maybe they deserve it more. And then it's like the values and the judgment and like, you know, your, ph- your own personal philosophies come into play. And like expectations of other people come into play. And it's like, oof, you know, what, what does the most good for people who, who do this to, to really make a difference and not just to like have a business and make money? Um, my fear is that I'm not helping enough people. From a business perspective, my fear is that like, I don't know what the heck I'm doing. Maybe, maybe I do. I don't know. <laughs> There's no guidebook to that. But from the, from an impact perspective, I think my fear is that, um, that I'm not doing enough. And then if you were to ask me like, what is enough? I'm like, I don't know. I don't even know what that bar would be at this point, but it just feels like, um, I could be doing so much more. And the fear is that I should be doing more, but what does that look like so that I can live too, you know? <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. I get really excited about the idea of helping everyone. Yeah. I want to change the world. Yeah. So I feel, I hear what you're saying. Like, yeah, the standard coaching rates are, are high. And there are reasons for that. We rationalize it out the wazoo. And at the same time, I'm always thinking about how can I, you know, without undervaluing myself, without undervaluing coaching, how can I reach the people that don't have those resources right now.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's the perfect way to phrase it from a place of how can I do that? Mm-hmm. Not Can I do that?
0: Right. No. I know it's possible. I just haven't yeah. figured out the exact way I want to do it. Maybe it's like a scholarship mm-hmm. program. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Maybe it's like a pro bono, like, percentage of your time. Yeah. Um maybe it's something that you produce once and then that's what people have access to for free, like a mm-hmm. course or a book or something. Um yeah, it's a it's an interesting I don't want to say problem to solve. It's not a problem. It's an interesting challenge to step up to, I think. Um cuz no one, you know, you don't have to take on that challenge, but if it's calling to you, then like What could that look like? Yeah. And that's something that I know is going to be a big part of how I shape my business going forward in the next couple of years, Um, because I've always wanted to do things like as a portion of my coaching revenue, I want to designate a certain percentage to Kiva investments to do micro loans to small business owners across the world and like support businesses that align with my values and what I believe to be good in the world. and then also, you know, who in my community could really use what I bring to the world but can't necessarily afford it in this moment, mm-hmm. uh, financially at least. Um, but yeah, it's, it, starts to be, it starts to be something that, like, you know, is, is scary to entertain because then it, like, for me, the fear is about my self-worth or my identity, like we're directly dealing with that inner critic that's telling us we're not good enough, like you're not doing a good enough job. It's like, all right, let's have this conversation. <laughs> it's uncomfortable, but it's necessary if, if I want to walk in alignment with what I believe and what I want to represent, um, you know, purpose-driven living for me is something that I, I talk all, a lot about, and um, I feel like my purpose is to make people's lives better. My purpose is to help activate something deeper with them and empower them to live that purpose-driven life, whatever it looks like for them. Is that with an asterisk though? You know, like, but for people who can like find the means to, to have access to these tools. And, you know, we can talk about money mindset. We can talk about like, you know, structuring business. We can talk about the mechanics of it um and the beliefs behind it but at the end of the day while that's being worked on right there are people who aren't you know having access to those resources not just me it's like you know anyone who does personal development anyone who does empowering things offers self-empowerment um but i believe i will figure it out i haven't figured it out yet but it's important enough that i know i will
0: <laughs> I'm excited to figure to to hear what you figure out.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'll have to share it with you once I or I look forward to sharing it with you once I figure it out for sure. There's
0: also a lot of people that don't even they could use coaching desperately, but don't even know that coaching exists.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: And that's another obstacle.
1: Yeah. The number of people who <laughs> who I talked to who were like, what? I didn't know people like you existed. I'm like, yeah, like it's I'm here. Hello. (laughs) Um, But also people who could desperately use it, who are not open to it Mm. is a significant portion of the population.
0: I think too. (laughs) That's a good point. So let's talk about the people that are open to it, that are excited about it. How can they work with you? And how can they find you?
1: Yeah, they can find me on Instagram at robin.coach um, and it's robin with a y um i'm instagram fairly regularly i feel like i go like you know i'm all over it, and then i'm kind of in the background i'm all over it in the background um but i check it all the time so instagram is robin.coach um coincidentally it's also my website robin www.robin.coach not.com um that's probably the fastest way to get in touch with me and those folks who are open to coaching it's important that you find a coach that you align with so even if i'm not the coach for you still feel free to reach out because i know a ton of awesome coaches and i'm more than willing to help you um, introduce you to people who might be a good fit for you
0: Um, so yeah instagram and my website is probably the best way fabulous and we will link those in the show notes Thank you. I
1: appreciate
0: that. This has been so fun, Robin. Thank you so much.
1: Yeah. Oh my gosh, Kelsey, this was great. This is such a good conversation. I feel like I could talk with you for hours.
0: Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to continue the conversation, please head over to Facebook and join the group Find Your Awesome with Kelsey Abbott it's free. And if you want more than that, go to my website, kelseyabbott.com. And there you can sign up for my newsletter and get a series of free guided meditations. And I would really appreciate it if you could head over to the podcast app and leave a review of the Find Your Awesome podcast. Your reviews help other people learn about this podcast. Thank you so much. That's all I've got for you, friends. Go forth and be awesome.